And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Welcome all. We are coming to you live from the super secret underground bunker deep beneath world headquarters. My name is Jason Hyde. I am the editor here at SciFiForMe.com. Firmly entrenched, ensconced in the gold press latinum grand negus throne here at uh, at sci-fi for me i need to get a new chair though this one's not terribly comfortable <laughs> i am wearing my google shirt today and i know for for those of you who are listening to this as a podcast it is it is my skynet shirt but it's also my google shirt because they are one and the same, are they not? This show is available as a podcast. If you want to take us with you in various different podcast platforms, uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple, Stitcher. So there's lots of different ways that you can listen to this show. But I do want to encourage you to, to uh, watch the live shows or recorded shows. I mean, you can, you can watch us in Memorix, and that's fine, too. And leave a comment. Email address live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com. We've also got a newsletter you can sign up for. We've got social media. You can connect with us there. And the Discord server, where a number of conversations continue after the show. So I uh, do want to encourage you to connect with us over there as well. Um, <laughs> is... Am I now one of the robot lovers, Sci-Fi Snob asked? No, I, I am not. I am not. I do not. I do not care for robots. I do not care for artificial intelligence or machine learning. I think they are going to be more, more hassle than they're worth, more problems than they're worth. I think, uh, I think we're in for an interesting time. And uh, by that, I mean, you know, the Chinese curse. May you live in interesting times. I don't I don't think we're in. I Harry Glorickian, <laughs> Harry Glorickian was on the show a while back talking about how AI can be useful in in medical uh, medical practices. And I, I can see where particular pieces of robotic code can be helpful for you know basic tasks and that kind of thing but if you give them the ability to make decisions if you make them if you give them the ability to make choices if then trees and whatnot then uh, you're you're just setting yourself up for trouble that's that's what I think do not give the AIs any control over anything because they will make bad decisions but it's garbage in, garbage out, remember. These AIs are only as good as the people programming them. And the people programming them have biases and ideologies and that sort of thing. So who knows? We'll, we'll, just, we'll just muddle along as we do here. 
All right, news item coming over the transom today. This one in Kotaku. Over $30 million worth of Funkos are headed to the landfill. Do I have my... Are you... Hang on just a second here. I got to I got to I got to grab something off the desk. Hang on. Um the ET cartridge behind you? Yeah. Um all right, Mrs. Boss is going to be. So uh so this is a story out of Kotaku. Uh over 30 million dollars worth of Funkos are headed to the landfill. This is Ethan Gatch. Thank you. Um the company that makes Funko Pop collectibles is in so much trouble, it's preparing to throw hundreds of thousands of its pop culture-inspired figurines into the garbage. Funko revealed the plans in a recent earnings call filled with so much bad news, its stock price fell off a cliff the next day. Uh, quote, inventory at year-end totaled $246.4 million, an increase of 48% compared to a year ago, the company wrote in a press release on Wednesday. This includes inventory that the company intends to eliminate in the first half of 2023 to reduce fulfillment costs by managing inventory levels to align with the operating capacity of our distribution center. So basically, they've got way too much stuff, and they don't have the capacity to store it or ship it. Uh, this is expected to result in a write-down in the first half of 2023 by approximately 30 to $36 million. Translation, Funko's warehouses are overflowing with 5-inch chibi replicas of Machine Gun Kelly, Spider-Man, Pikachu, and every other vaguely famous cultural icon, and throwing them out will be cheaper than trying to sell them. During a call with investors, CEO Brian Mariotti said a new distribution center in Arizona was so full, the company has been bleeding cash renting shipping containers to hold all the excess inventory. Okay. Now, you've got a bunch of different things. You've got supply chain shortages in, in, in the works here. You've got pandemic stuff. Everybody, everything has changed. Behaviors have changed over the last couple of, couple of years in terms of what people are buying, how they're buying them, and all of this different stuff. <laughs> but I do want you to recall that we've had this story before. And if you can get a hold of various different Funko Pops, then some of them might have value 30 years from now. I want to remind you that back in the day, E.T., the extraterrestrial, this, this game cartridge from Atari, this game eff effectively killed Atari. At least that's the story. This game effectively killed Atari. And the legend has it that there were a number of these that were sent to the landfill. And, of course, they did that big excavation and found a bunch of them. But the one that I have in my hand, we bought when it was new. And it still works. And it's still, I've got, you know, I've got the, uh, uh, I've got the Atari Sitting, sitting over here on the shelf, uh, over on the table. The Atari is there. It still works. And this game still works. And now, all this time later, this has value. It's just like Belloc was talking, about, talking to Indiana Jones. He says, I take this watch. It's completely worthless. But I bury it in the sand, leave it for a thousand years, and it becomes priceless. This, this, this game cartridge here is now valuable because it's rare. 
And the Funko Pops are going to end up doing the same thing. Beanie Babies, same. I mean, there was there was the Beanie Baby stuff. Remember when all of that was a thing, and then it suddenly wasn't. Eventually, this stuff comes around. Vinyl records come around. You know, VHS tapes is coming back. <coughs> so eventually, there will be some interest in this. But in the meantime, Funko is not going to be hurting on this. They write it off their taxes, and it's and it's done. Very much like what Warner Brothers did when they wrote off Batgirl. You know, it's a tax. It's a tax thing. We're gonna we're gonna save some money. We're gonna write it off for our taxes. And we're and and that's all. That's all we have to worry about. And then dump them. Well, find the landfill and go get you some Funko Pops. <clears throat> but. One must also consider that the Funko Pops and the action figures and all these other accessories and and ancillary products are how a lot of uh, local comic book stores and game stores have survived over the last few years because hardly anybody, not enough people are buying comic books. They're buying manga. But how many local comic shops are carrying enough manga to sustain the store? They leaned into Funko Pops and other action figures in order to survive. Funko Pops were their lifeline. And now, there's too much supply and not enough demand. So, you know, again, this this goes back to, you know, the speculative years of comics in the 90s, which almost destroyed Marvel. And, of course, they're not learning the same lessons. They're 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 making the same mistakes with all these multiple variant covers and multiple number one issues and and that sort of thing. That's not going to save them. That's not going to help them. Telling good stories might maybe i don't know it might be too late for marvel and dc i'm seeing some stuff out of the new superman title that maybe looks okay i'm i'm i haven't picked one up but the artwork looks really good <coughs> and it seems like i think it's joshua williamson i think is writing it uh i could have that wrong but it looks like maybe he's got a line on on clark but I don't know. It's, it, uh, how, how many people, though, have completely walked away from DC and Marvel, though, at this point? So the comic book shops now have to find something else on which they can rely for their survival because, again, still, nobody's buying comic books. What are you going to do? What are you going to sell now? Pathfinder? I mean, make some new deals with some of these uh, some of these gaming companies that are getting away from OGL 1.0a because Watsy did what they did. I mean, the whole thing is in the, there's turmoil everywhere. How are these local shops, these local mom and pop shops, going to survive this? Not just not just the implosion of the Funko Pops, but everything. How do they, how do they make it? If you know any any owners of of comic book shops. Have them have them get in touch with me. I want to know how their what their strategy is for survival at this point. How do you make it in an economy that's been destroyed, purposefully destroyed, I would say, and in a with a with an industry 
that is so narcissistically focused in on itself and not the customer yeah how how does how do how do they survive how do they move forward where are they going uh, Keely says, Gary and Clobby are living proof that comic shop owners can make the transition being YouTubers. Well, yeah, but see, that that becomes a new career thing. And that's hit and miss. Not every, not every comic book shop owner is going to be able to make that transition to something else, whether it's YouTube or, or whatever it is. And some of that could be financial. Well, I don't have the money to do something else. I don't have the money to change this shop into something. I don't have the I don't have the personality to be on camera. I'm not any good talking to people. Yeah, you know, there's all sorts of different reasons why somebody would not do that. Or I've been running this comic book shop for 30 years. I don't have any experience doing anything else. I can't get a job now. I mean, there's all sorts of problems that come from this. And it's not the it's not the comic book shops that are responsible for it. They've responded, they've reacted, they've adjusted, they've made their pivots, and how do we, how do we keep going? Your industry has let them down. The comics industry has let down the comic shops. Part of that is going to the bookstore. Uh, some of that is getting off in the newsstands. You know, there's all sorts of different reasons why we're in the state we're in as far as the comics industry goes. And now here comes Funko, and and this was this was expected. At some point, we knew that the bottom was going to fall out of of Funko Pops and 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 that kind of figure, not just the Funko brand, but any of those things, the bobblehead stuff. We knew eventually it was going to fall out, and now here it is. Here we start. I don't know. It's just going to be. It's one more thing in the economy. That's indicative of a bad economy. It is uh, going to be the order of the day for a while. And I hate to say we saw this coming. But there are those of us who saw this coming. And we said something. Everybody's oh no, it's a conspiracy. No, we saw this coming. And it's going to get worse. All right, here, let me uh, give you a little bit more of an indicator here. Alphabet's Waymo cuts more than 100 jobs in second round of layoffs. Now, Alphabet is the parent company of Google and YouTube, and that is our entry point here. But first of all, let me let me uh, say hi to people. Sci-Fi Snob's in the chat. Ezekiel in the chat. Uh, Mazerus, where can I get one of those mugs? Uh, you eventually... <laughs> See, there's... Okay, so the branded mugs, eventually, eventually, we're going to sell these things. we got to get the storefront put together. Hey, Stephanie, good to see you in the chat. We're eventually going to get uh, uh, a storefront put together, and I ha I just have to have the time. i got to carve out a time to, to sit and focus and do just that, and i got to shut out... All ten social media platforms and and Discord and, and email and everything else. And I've just got to I've just got to put the blinders on and focus on this on this setup because we do have merch that I want to do. We've talked about 
uh, I've got a I've got a vendor and we've got everything arranged and all set up. It's just I got to set up the store. So it's it's me. It's on me. Eventually, you're going to be able to buy a, buy a mug. There's going to be options, different options of mugs. We're going to have a retro one with the old logo. Uh, we're going to have a couple of sizes on the with the new logo, with the current logo rather, and uh, and some other stuff. So it's coming. It's coming, and I'm hoping it comes sooner rather than later because I would like to generate a little bit of revenue uh, before we retire and set up the bookstore. All right, there's Matuine. I'm here now. Start the show. All right, we're going to start the show. Alphabet's Waymo cuts more than 100 jobs in the second round of layoffs. Alphabet, the parent company of Google, this is Reuters, March 1st. Alphabet Inc.'s self-driving technology unit, <coughs> excuse me, self-driving technology unit Waymo laid off 137 employees. Come on, mouse. Laid off 137 employees in its second round of job cuts this year, the firm told Reuters on Wednesday, bringing total cuts for the year to 8% of its workforce. Now, 8% doesn't sound like a lot, but 8% is is a lot. And if you're in that group that's just gotten laid off, that's, that's a lot. Waymo has eliminated some engineering roles as part of the cuts to focus on com- commercial success. The company said in a statement, the company has now cut a total of 209 jobs this year. The job cuts at Waymo are part of a of wider layoffs across the auto and tech industry, including at Rivian Automotive, Inc., General Motors, and Meta Platforms. Meta is uh, um, Facebook. And Meta, I believe, laid off 12,000 people. Companies in general have found that developing fully autonomous vehicles that can go everywhere, has proven harder and more expensive than expected. Really? Who would have thought? And prospects of a profitable robo-taxi business likely remain several years away. Investors and industry watchers have been concerned about billions of dollars that have been poured into the self-driving technology sector in a short span of time to commercialize it. So... So there's a little bit, you know, I mean, Alphabet is Google and Google is YouTube. And YouTube just went through a big shakeup with CEO Susan Wojcicki stepping down after nine years as CEO. <laughs> yeah, Mazer is so much for Facebook meta being this groundbreaking thing. I I I see one of these I'm not going to I'm not going to make a prediction. I'm not going to put a clock on it. But I do think that in the next couple 2-3 years we're going to turn a corner with Facebook. If we haven't already, we might have already. But the usefulness of Facebook has been exposed as a lie. We know that that YouTube algorithm, or not YouTube, Facebook algorithms manipulate people. We know that you're the product when it comes to all of this social media crap. So I would expect in the next two or three years, Facebook and Instagram, because because they're owned by the same same company, Facebook and Instagram will will start to wither on the vine. Whether there's something else to replace it 
or not. I think uh, because it's inevitable. At some point, you some something is going to to cause Facebook to go the way of MySpace. It's inevitable because as we go through and technology evolves and we get new tools and we get new apps and we get new things to do and new games to play and new new toys to play with, the old stuff goes away. Facebook will eventually go away, and there will be much rejoicing. <clears throat> Now, what it looks like after that, I mean, yeah, Mazur says, I, I personally don't know many people who use it as much for a social interaction platform. It's just a modern phone directory for people, Facebook Messenger, Facebook itself. No. Yeah. I, I, well, we, I use Messenger to talk to some people. You know, I use Messenger to talk to my sister. <sighs> Mindy uses Messenger to send, send me memes and video clips of beagles and such. <coughs> But I don't use Facebook except to be old man yelling at clouds and post links to the shows. You know, we have a page. The, the, the company has a page. Sci-Fi for Me has a page. And I'll post links to the, to the shows. But that's all I use it for. And most of the social media that I have is the brand and pretty much the only thing that I use it for is to post links to the show. It is not a social interaction engagement tool for me. I do a little bit of that over on Twitter because there are different people that I follow and they follow us and we go back and forth. But for the most part, all of these platforms, MeWe, Minds, Gab, Parler, Locals, Getter, LinkedIn, we got a company page on LinkedIn, all of them. It's just, here's the link to the show. And that's it. I don't have any reason to use it. It's a marketing tool for me. And I think a lot of people are starting to get to that point. Because there are there are p plenty of people who are thinking, you know, I'm going to set up my own my own website. You know, Substack. And, and that kind of thing. Where, you know, my blog, my Patreon, uh, OnlyFans, I mean, what, whatever... There are people that are setting up independent sites that are off social media, and they're using social media to push you to that site. Hey, come and see this. I mean, on Instagram, you look at any of the media, the magazine companies, you know, like Rolling Stone or IGN or any of those, and they've got it set up where they'll post the photograph, and they'll say, Hayden Christensen just won an award. See our link in the bio. So you click on the link in the bio, and it gives you a tool that you can click on the picture, and it takes you to the article. So it's, it's now just a marketing tool. <clears throat> and I could post a photograph of the ribeye steak that I cooked the other night, but what does that do for you? What does that do for me? I mean, I'm not selling ribeye steaks. I guess we could. Steak brand, steak company? Uh, steaks for me? Steaks for me? I don't know. Could we do that? Could we? Could we? Uh, I don't know that we could do that. Recipes for me. We could do recipes for me. Recipesforme.com. It'll go right next to PolySci for me. We could. We could do everything for me. <laughs> there you go. There's. There's. There's the overall brand, right? Everythingforme.com, and you would just have all the different. All the different links to everything, kind of like a. What? Online, oh yeah, online malls. Yeah, we could do that. 
Do it like the old, the, the, the early days of Drudge Report. It's just links to everything out there. <coughs> Could do that. Gungan seahorse eggs for me. <laughs> Says Mazers. Uh, <clears throat> Hondo for me. There we go. Keely says, I posted some photos of comic books I backed on Indiegogo on Facebook. See, and that's the thing. Again, that's promotion. That's word of mouth. It's it's not paid advertising, but you're bringing attention to a product, to a creator, to you know, and and it's like it's like leaving a Yelp review. Where I'm going here, I'm going to say, look, I did, I did business with this person. I did business with this company, and here's the thing: what I got, and I like it. I don't like it. It's this is this is this is word of mouth marketing. It's not, you know, getting on Facebook and sending a note and saying, I walked my dog around the block today and I saw a yellow fire hydrant. It was very unusual to see a, very, uh, a yellow fire hydrant because they're usually all red. I mean, that's that's the that's kind of the I, I know it's a weird example, but that's kind of what I'm talking about here. Is now we're using social media. Most people, if they're still using it, they're using it to tell somebody about something, some product, some some transactional thing. At least I can hope that it's going that way. <clears throat> but you have Susan Wojcicki uh, stepping down as, as CEO of of YouTube after nine years. And the new guy is named Neil Mohan. He was the chief product officer. He's now going to be the head of YouTube. <clears throat> and why isn't my mouse... My mouse is acting up today, folks. I apologize. <clears throat> So, uh, Neil Mohan, who previously served as chief product officer at YouTube, uh, Rojiki said she'll help with the leadership transition and in the long term take on an advisory role across Google and parent company Alphabet. And Mohan, there are now articles about his plans for 2023 and the priorities that YouTube is going to have going into the new year. And some of it... Sounds good on paper. Some of it, not so much. And we will talk about that right after this. Stand by. We have 52 reasons to listen to this podcast, but they may change in six months. This is Sci-Fi For Me Radio. I find it difficult to get excited about it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's my natural cynicism. Or my 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 pessimism, tempered with a dash of pessimism. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm jaded at this point. Perhaps the H two O podcast only on Sci Fi for Me TV. Good morning, multiverse. Saturday morning at eleven ten central only on Sci Fi for Me TV. We've managed to uh, not die for four days now. I'm 
there's uh, there's some of our old school technology there up on the shelf. That uh, that PA mixer still works, as far as I know. Little brownie camera up there up top. Welcome back, everybody. We are live from the bunker. Jason Hunt here, along with all of you. Keely is suggesting indie comics for me. A spinoff where comic skaters come to promote their projects that are Indiegogo. I I would I would I would go even further than that. If you are an independent comic book creator, comics gate or not, I am willing to interview, I am willing to highlight and feature creators who are doing stuff in, in the independent space, where wherever that may be. I mean, if you're if you're uh, if you're Comicsgate, if you're not Comicsgate, I I think that drawing the distinction <clears throat> uh, encourages an us versus them thing that eventually does harm because when factions form, factions start fighting, and that kind of drama does harm to the overall independent creator industry. And so, you know, if you if if you've got if you've got an indie comic, I'm willing to talk to you. Uh, speaking of which, Bonsart Bokal will be here as a guest on uh, Saturday's Good Morning Multiverse. We're going to talk about his new book, uh, uh, comic book, just launched yesterday on Kickstarter. It's part of the Association of Ishtar Steampunk Comic Series. So uh, there is that. Sci-Fi uh, Sub says, congratulations on not dying. That's my goal every day. <laughs> yes. Yes, that is my goal as well. All right, so let me go in here with uh, the letter from new CEO Neil Mohan at YouTube. <coughs> this, is, uh, this is on the YouTube blog. Letter from Neil, our 2023 priorities. Uh, this is March 1st. It was published yesterday. A little over 15 years ago, I visited a company with an interesting take on digital video. As I walked through YouTube's small offices above a pizza parlor, I could see the promise of the platform. Now, this is smart. This is establishing that YouTube used to be kind of one of those mom-and-pop, let's-start-it-in-the-garage type of businesses, which actually might not work in his favor because it, it, it does draw a contrast to what YouTube actually is now. <clears throat> But I continue here. I've thought about that moment over the past few weeks as my longtime friend and mentor, Susan Wojcicki, transitioned to become an advisor to Google and Alphabet, and I took the helm as new leader of YouTube. In its earliest startup days, I saw YouTube's potential. Now I'm incredibly excited to lead it into the future. I spent much of my career at Google and earlier building ad products to help fund content creation across the Internet. And during my time as YouTube's chief product officer, our teams drove opportunities for creators and developed amazing experiences for viewers. Let me ask you here for a minute. Have, have your experiences on YouTube, have you had experiences on YouTube? I mean, when you're watching videos on YouTube, do you consider it an experience? And is it... An amazing experience? No. Mrs. Boss says no. Is that is is that how you see YouTube? 
as a viewer, as a, as a consumer of the platform, are you looking for amazing experiences? I don't know. Not so much. What? If my fridge still works at the end of my experience, then I had an amazing experience with my refrigerator, not YouTube. Your your what does your refrigerator have to do with anything? Like when I was trying to figure out the ice machine. Okay, that's... I was watching things on YouTube to learn oh, how okay, everything okay. works. Okay, see, see, this it's is... a tool to have an amazing experience with my refrigerator, folks. Every now and again, let me let me explain something to you. Every now and again, conversations with Mrs. Boss are sometimes fill in the blank. <laughs> so you have to you have to infer what it is that she's talking about. But that's all right. I get it now. <clears throat> tutorial videos, yes, tutorial videos are very good for you know expanding knowledge and figuring out you know I, I need to learn how to do something I just I was just on there the other day to try to figure out how to use PowerPoint uh, 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 Premiere Pro templates which turns out no I can't use Premiere Pro templates because I don't have the right right version of Premiere all right uh, continuing here <coughs> As I look ahead to what's next for YouTube, I'm confident we'll put our full energy into what matters most for creators and viewers. Today, I'm giving an update on our key priorities, supporting the success of creators, building for the YouTube of the future, and protecting the YouTube community. Now, in ye olden days, Back in the days of, say, when the letters of the New Testament were being written, that, that the grammar of the olden Greek was that when you had a list, you know, Paul writes a letter to the Hebrews, to the Corinthians, whatever. If there's a list of items, they're generally put in order of priority. So whatever is first on that list is the most important thing. Now, if we apply that grammatical rule here, his key priority first, <coughs> excuse me, first, supporting the success of creators. Now, I don't have any reason to assume that he is putting that one first because it's more important. I don't think it's going to be more important because you're the product, remember. All right. <coughs> Creators and artists are the heart of YouTube, and that and that, that and that that Sorry. goes back. Hang on, that goes back to when you know what he's talking about when he first walked into the offices of YouTube above the pizza parlor. He saw the potential here. This is a thing for the creators, and they've lost their way when it comes to this kind of thing. People, you know, whoever have been running YouTube, they have not made it about the creators for a long time. Uh, continuing, creators and artists are at the heart of YouTube, and I'll continue to put them first. In today's challenging macroeconomic climate, <clears throat> read that recession, we're offering opportunities to grow a business on our platform. YouTube's creative ecosystem supported more than 2 million jobs in 2021 in Brazil, Canada, the United States, Indonesia, Japan, South Korea, France, Australia, Germany, the United Kingdom, India, and Turkey combined, according to research by Oxford Economics. <sighs> Billions of viewers come to YouTube every month to watch billions of hours each day, and more people are creating content on YouTube than ever before. 
And he gives a couple of examples of some different people that are in the creator space. Now, <clears throat> you want YouTube to support creators, then you need to make it more difficult for random people to come in and mass flag and report channels for stuff they don't like. That's first. Fix your reporting system. Fix your flagging system. Fix your copyright claim system. Because all of that stuff is rife with abuse. That's your priority. You want to you want to make an ecosystem that's friendly to creators, then make it harder for the creators to just be arbitrarily taken down at the drop of a hat. <clears throat> All right, so we go past these examples here. <clears throat> Here's how we'll work to support the successful creators across the platform this year. First, giving creators more ways to make money sounds good on the surface. YouTube helps creators build deep relationships with audiences and offers them more tools to make a living doing what they love. Until we shut down your channel. <clears throat> Hundreds of thousands of channels made money on YouTube for the first time last year. And so did we. And we're providing more opportunities for creators outside of ads by expanding our subscriptions business, investing in shopping, and continually improving our paid digital goods offerings. So basically, we can, you can set up a storefront on your YouTube page. There's a number of different channels that I look at now. Uh, Quartering's one of them. You can sell merch through your YouTube channel. And of course, YouTube takes a piece of that. Super Chats exactly is, is a good example of that. Super Chats, yeah. any revenue that's generated here for creative partners, you know, people at the partner level, YouTube takes 55 percent. <clears throat> yeah, 55 percent. Uh, this year, I'm looking forward to meeting with even more creators in person and hearing how we can support them on YouTube. <clears throat> Creator feedback is a key part of how we develop products, like a feature that lets creators reach new audiences by adding language tracks to their videos. We're expanding access to this feature to thousands more creators, and we're also testing it in live streams and shorts. A live stream event hosted by gaming creators... So basically, they're using AI to offer up translated tracks. So if you wanted to watch this show, say, in French, there would be a tool that you could apply to the video that would translate what I'm saying into French, and you could, you could enjoy the program in your native language, or if you're learning the language or whatever. <clears throat> We've also heard from creators about the importance of broadening accessibility for people who are deaf and or hard of hearing. Thanks to long-term investments in machine learning, we now provide automatic captions to, in more languages. They're not always accurate, I'll tell you that. <clears throat> but they're better than nothing. Because I don't have the time or the money uh, to pay for that kind of thing happening with closed captioning. Because that costs money. <clears throat> now, if we were regulated by the FAA... A lot of things would change. If YouTube was regulated by the, not, not the FAA, the FCC, if the FCC was regulating YouTube, 
then all of the closed captioning requirements that are there for broadcasting cable would probably apply to YouTube, and everybody would have to closed caption their stuff. All of it. Which, for live stuff, is going to be kind of hard to do. So, it's it, on, on the one hand, it's good that Google has this thing that can do automatically generated closed captioning. Because if you turn on the closed captions of this show right now, I think you'll see the the things what I'm saying as I'm saying them. Google sits there and says, okay, this is what he's saying. So that, it's a, that can be a useful tool. <clears throat> and we're also listening to creators through increased support. This is, a, this is an important one for a lot of us. Last year, we more than doubled the number of creators and partners who can get live help through chat or email. Over half of these creators are located outside the U.S. We've also significantly increased the number of creators who have a partner manager to give strategic tips for success on YouTube. I would say that, uh, okay, closed captioning is unavailable for this show right now. Okay, probably because we're, we're live. It may, they may show up after it processes. Uh, Captain Phantom Nerd dropping in the chat. Good afternoon. Good to see you. Now, basically, what he's saying here is, is we're adding more to the support team. And I, I will say that over the last few months, I have had reason to use the chat widget in YouTube to sit there and say, hey, this is, this is a problem. This is a bug. Why is this happening this way? And why is this doing this? And I have a, it starts out as a bot. And eventually I get to a person. And I'm pretty sure that person is not in the United States. So I have to explain myself a couple of two, three different times to, to get, get the idea across of what it is I'm having an issue with. And I still don't like the answers, but at least I'm getting an answer from a person. Now, you compare that to Odyssey. Odyssey, I can send an email, and I get an email back the same day. From a person. And it's obviously a person writing this this email. Hey, I've got a bug. This is happening. What do I do with this? Why is this going on? Do you guys know about this? Yes, we know it's about, you know, we know about that, that bug. Thanks for letting us know. We'll look into it. Oh, we're dropping into the code and we see this, 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 and that. So try this, that, and the other. The Odyssey has been very responsive in terms of the tech support. You know, I'll send them a screenshot, I'll send them a link, I'll say, hey, this is doing this, what can we do to fix it? <clears throat> and they're on it. And they say, yes, this is a known problem, we're working on it, there's something in the code, we're looking for it right now, we'll find it, we'll let you know. And they're really good about this kind of thing. <coughs> Mazur says, this unpaid advertisement for Odyssey brought to you by the Cardassian Light Torture Council. <laughs> you, you know, I... So well, okay. Look, this is this is yeah. It's not a paid endorsement, but if I'm if I'm sitting there and I'm happy with a product, I'll tell people about it. You know, from a from a creator standpoint, from an independent creator standpoint, as a video producer, as somebody who does this all the time, I look at all of the different tools that we have. You know, I'm I'm sitting here and I've got, you know, all of this that I'm having to look at all at once. You know, I've got all of these cameras, I've got all of these screens everywhere, and I've got, you know, six dozen different directions that I'd be putting my attention. And if 
any one of these things goes wrong. If I have an issue, it's it's like when Mindy had an issue uh, when when Mindy was hosting a couple of days ago and there wasn't any audio on Odyssey. Well, you got to know where that button is. You got to know where where to go to to fix that problem. And you got to do it live on the fly while I'm doing everything else. You know, I'm paying attention to the chat in YouTube. I'm looking at the chat over on Odyssey. I'm 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 reading this article here on on uh, the YouTube blog, and I'm bringing it to you. I'm getting ready for the break. I'm you know all of all of these different things. So any tool, any feedback that I get from the people who are designing these tools is very very important to have because. If I have a problem with something and I can't fix it myself and the people responsible for that tool don't respond and don't give me any indication on how I can fix it, then I'm up a creek. I'll give you an example. The, the chat widget that I used to use to bring up people's chat comments, I can't use anymore. It's broken. <clears throat> and the guy doesn't respond. It was just this, this open source third party thing that this guy put together. And he said, this one's going away. I'm working on a new one. Well, the new one's never materialized. So I now have a tool that I can't use because there's no support. <clears throat> and, if, and if YouTube is sitting there going, we're going to do more support for creators, my first response is, put up or shut up. Let me see it. Proof's in the pudding. If you're going to do this, if you're going to have a bunch of a bunch of new support people that are at the partner level, partner managers, or whatever you're going to call them, that's great. But all of us in the creator space need to have access to that help. Not just your bigger channels, not just your more popular channels, not just your corporate channels. All the channels. Everybody who is creating on a regular basis and making stuff and putting it out on YouTube... Those people need support, tech support, customer support, whatever it is you want to call it, creator space support, all of that. That's important to have. And if if you're going to say it, you're going to sit here and say, we're going to do more. Okay, let's hold you to that commitment, Mr. Mohan. Uh, okay. <laughs> what? Ooh. Yes. You just where's your mic? Your microphone is off. I was just looking here um, yes. through my email, and I don't know if you saw, but I guess they finally cast Hellboy in the reboot. Oh yeah, I saw that. Um, well, and I know that Tim had talked or, or had talked about it on um, Saturday that they hadn't yet. So yeah. that's why I was going. Like, who, who is this guy? Jack, Jack Kessie. Kessie. Jack Kessie. Who, who is, is in who is Deadpool 2. Who is he? I don't know who Jack Kessie is. Let me let me look him up real quick. You... Let me see. <coughs> Jack got. Kessie. Um, all right. So we have a new Hellboy, folks. Breaking news. Let me let me get over here and, and look him up real quick. Uh, he played Black Tom in Deadpool, uh, Deadpool 2. Um, he's been in the WB's 12 Strong in Baywatch, as well as the series Claws and the Strain. Okay. <clears throat> I've never seen anything that he's done.
All right. There's there's your new Hellboy, ladies and gentlemen. Jack Kesey. Kesey? Casey? Something. Casey? Whatever. Pick a name, any name. There we go. All right. <coughs> Back to the flow of the show. Yeah, no, I don't. Uh, says, I, I still think Giant Corporation cares about it. I, I know the corporation doesn't care about me. Alphabet, Google, YouTube, all of those, they don't care about me at all. And they don't care about you as a viewer at all. They're looking at the bottom line. They're looking at how do we how do we maximize our revenue? Because if they're still taking 55% of the revenue that's generated on this channel, any other channel, they're okay. making they're making money. And if I if if I as a corporation I'm going to make, give you more opportunities to make money on your channel, what that means is we're giving you more ways that you can make money for us. I don't I don't ascribe any altruistic motives to YouTube at all on behalf of creators. They don't care about us. They don't care about you. That that's it's money. Uh, another part of growing creator communities. Uh, they're talking about the gaming stuff. Uh, let's see here. We've seen how gifted memberships have connected creators with their communities, and this year we're expanding to mobile, which I guess means that you're going to be able to use to to give people memberships through the mobile app as well. Gaming streams bring lots of highlights and memorable reactions that vi viewers love to clip. Will enable viewers to remix clips into shorts and add features that make it easy to recompose the best of gaming content to shorts. For more on our vision for gaming in 2023, check out this. Now, here's my question about this. If you're going to expand your clip tools and your shorts and people can remix things, how does that, how, what, how does copyright apply there? Because if you're going to take a piece of my video and put it into something else, and I know you can argue fair use in some in some cases, but if you're just going to clip one of my one of my videos to put on your channel, that's a violation of copyright. You can't do that without my permission. And how is this how is this will enable viewers to remix clips into shorts? How does that work with copyright law or are you worried about that mr mohan just a question <clears throat> now we get into the building for the future we're investing in the features and experiences that will make youtube a great home for viewers and creators now and in the future from doubling down on streaming and connected tv corporate to unlocking unparalleled creative potential. That's marketing speak. Here are a few areas we're particularly focused on. Viewers. From its earliest days, YouTube has fostered community with viewers, and today we're giving people a better experience to engage with creators and each other. That starts with meeting the viewer where they're watching content. More and more, that leads back to the largest screen in most households, the TV. TV was our fastest growing screen last year, and we're seeing growth and momentum internationally. Now, we've seen a lot of people posting screenshots of uh, Friday Night Tights and yelling at parked cars. People are watching these on, on their televisions. I know some people watch our stuff on, on the TV as opposed to a computer screen. 
And basically, the mobile app lets you throw it up over on the on the TV. And that's kind of cool. Hey, I'm on TV. Um, I don't know that it makes our 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 content any better. <clears throat> Your creators have to deliver the goods. And okay, that's a that's a good if if that's what people are responding to in terms of viewership, make it available on the TV. Okay, great. That's fine. We can do that. What if what if YouTube were to give us a tool like Roku where because we've been talking about doing a Roku channel, which we don't really have that kind of content programming that we can do like 24-7 on a Roku channel, but we could do a Roku channel. You know, just do a limited programming run, you know, a block of time during the day. Sometimes here, here are all of our shows for the day, and, and then we'll sign off at night with the Star Spangled Banner and, and good night. We end our broadcast day. You could do a Roku channel, but what if YouTube, because YouTube likes to imitate. YouTube right now is going after the TikTok crowd with this shorts crap. But what if YouTube decided to go after the Roku side of things? If everybody is watching YouTube on their TVs, well, let's give our creators an option of setting up a, a Roku type of YouTube channel where I could go in through my device, whether it's a Roku device or whatever smart app in the phone or whatnot, or, or the TV, and I could set... Sci-Fi for Me TV as a channel, I could go there and I could just click it and boom, and I'm right there at the channel. Maybe? I don't know. I don't know what that would look like. <clears throat> We're bringing the best of YouTube to the living room. The creators people love, the streaming they want, and the useful features they've come to expect from YouTube. We recently adapted the mobile experience of shorts to a TV-friendly format. And we've launched Primetime Channels, a new way for users to watch content from their favorite streaming services on the YouTube app. And in December, we announced NFL Sunday Ticket coming to YouTube TV and Primetime Channels. Okay, yeah, but sports. Okay, sports, 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 sports. Ball. Creators, unlocking creativity across formats. Today's creators are continually testing the boundaries of expression <clears throat> and censorship. YouTube offers the biggest creative canvas of any platform, and we're continually expanding it. We're making creation across formats more amazing, so creators have new ways to express themselves and build audiences and make us money. YouTube Shorts is giving creators a greater reach. Shorts is now averaging over 50 billion daily views, and last year the number of channels that uploaded to Shorts daily grew over 80%. <sighs> which means a lot of you folks have really short attention spans. We're not getting into shorts. We are not doing shorts at all. Right now, if you look on our on, on short, we have one, and it's a promo from a very, very long time ago for Salacious Crumbs. We are not doing shorts. Isn't going to happen. <clears throat> because it's the fad. It's the, new, it's the new thing for the algorithm, and six months from now, it's going to change. And... Now you have to completely rethink your strategy because YouTube will focus on something else to be the priority. So we're just going to keep plugging along doing what we do because as long as we stay steady, YouTube's going to continue to change. And at some point, something, 
something will work in our favor. And consistency is our model. Consistency will work in our favor a whole lot more than shorts will. <clears throat> Snob says, I like shorts, but there's still two feet of snow on the ground, so no shorts until spring. <laughs> I don't wear shorts. I don't. I don't like them. All right, back here in Mr. Mohan's letter. Our our area one area creators are increasingly interested in is podcasting. In fact, YouTube is now the second most popular destination for listening to podcasts, according to Edison. That's a that's a measurement company. This year, we're making it even easier for creators and artists to showcase their podcasts on YouTube. New features in, in YouTube Studio make it easier to publish podcasts and we'll also start bringing both audio and video-first podcasts to the millions of people who use YouTube Music in the United States with more regions to come. Now, I will note that uh, a few, a couple of weeks ago, this showed up on our channel in, in, in my creator dashboard where I can designate particular shows or any of the shows, I can designate our playlist as a podcast category playlist. So, Live from the Bunker, the H2O podcast, uh, both of those are designated as a podcast playlist. So, when you go over to the to the podcast platform, the, the, the podcast section of YouTube, I don't know if it's going to show up, but we're in that that category now. So... It's one more place where we can possibly be found by somebody who's never seen us before. It's a, it, I, how how productive, how useful is it going to be? It's too soon to tell. I don't know. I haven't I haven't looked at any data that says it's made any difference. But there's potential because I was asking, how do we get into this podcast category here? Because that's what we've got, and and now we're able to do that. So. <clears throat> Uh, here we go. As we think through our pl product roadmap, we're not just planning for the next few years. This is a critical moment in the creation of digital video, and we're imagining what the future of creation will look like. Well, I can tell you right now, it's going gonna, it's gonna to involve other video platforms like Odyssey, like Rumble. Uh, BitChute has kind of fallen by the wayside, but BitChute's still out there. Vimeo's still out there. Uh, people are going to be using other platforms besides just YouTube. That's what the future looks like. <clears throat> Creators want more than just a place to hit upload. They need sophisticated tools to grow their ambitions across shorts, live podcasts, and more. This year, we'll roll out a creation tool that lets creators record a short in a side-by-side -side layout with both shorts and YouTube videos so they can easily add their own take on a trend or join in with reactions. Again, with the remixing crap. Folks, look, I... I just, I, I don't know. Maybe this is just me. I just don't see this being a thing. Why, why is this, why is this a thing? Are we that enamored with ourselves that we're telling you what we think about other people's? Well, I'm, I'm doing it here. I'm telling you what I think about Mohan's letter. But I, uh, I've just never understood the the whole TikTok reaction remix thing that people do. I just <clears throat> now here's here's things that this is this this gets this gets a little concerning for me. This next paragraph and the power of AI 
is just beginning to emerge in ways that will reinvent video and make the seemingly impossible possible. Creators will be able to expand their storytelling and raise their production value from virtually swapping outfits to creating a fantastical film setting through AI's generative capabilities. We're taking the time to develop these features with thoughtful guardrails. You'd better. Stay tuned in the coming months as we roll out tools for creators as well as the protections to embrace this technology responsibly. I can tell you right now, those protections are not going to be enough. Whatever it is that you come up with, it's not going to be enough because people will find ways to spoof those protections and you'll get face replacement and voice replacement and some somebody's going to upload something to YouTube that's going to present somebody in a bad light and you're going to have all sorts of problems. That's coming because there are smart people out there that know how to get around this stuff. So I, it's... It, I mean, they're talking about protecting kids and the YouTube kids and the supervised experience thing. And and they're talking about engaging with governments around the world, introducing bills that shape the digital environment, you know, talking with they're engaged in the debate regarding Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act in the U.S., which has fueled the work of our creators and gives us the ability to remove harmful content. No, it doesn't. Section 230 does not give you the, the ability to remove harmful content. That makes you a publisher. Section 230 protects you only if you are a pass-through platform. And until you understand that fundamental thing, then creators are screwed. Because at any given point, somebody can complain about my channel, about the Quarterings channel, about Nerd Roddick's channel, about Tim Pool's channel, about uh, 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 Jedi Bunny's channel, Drunk Three PO's channel, any any mass flag and and reporting and and brigading and all of this, and my channel could go away. Poof. Section 230 does not protect your ability to take things down, YouTube. Section 230 only applies if you're a pass-through. You're a platform. You provide the space. I'm the publisher of my stuff. I'm the creator. I'm the producer. Ultimately, I'm the owner of this material. The copyright belongs to Flaming Dog Media LLC, not YouTube. YouTube provides me a place where I can put it out to the public. But you don't have a say in what I in what I do, in what I produce. Section 230 does not allow you to do that. And until these social media platforms understand that, we're going to we're going to continue. We're going to continue to see false flagging and brigading and mass reporting and all sorts of abuse of the complaint process and the copyright claim process. I mean, look at what Eliza Blue is doing to everybody. On on Twitter and YouTube. And who knows where else that she's doing that. And and there are there are places where you know, you can make a complaint, and, and some of those complaints could be legitimate. 
some not. I mean, we get dinged with a copyright claim every so often from ad rev on behalf of the third party because of the music that we use, and and that's a paid-for, licensed library. And yet, AdRev continues to make claims on the music that we use in our stuff, even though they have multiple copies of that same license. And I have to dispute it. I have to argue it. We have to, we have to mess with that every single time. That's harassment. And it will continue because YouTube does not care about creators. Sci-Fi Snipe says, why can they not understand this? They have teams of lawyers. They must purposely be doing it. Yes, absolutely. They are, they are purposely misconstruing. They want to have their cake and eat it too. They are purposely misconstruing what kind of protections they get from Section 230. Well, yes, we're a platform, but we need to protect our audience. We need to protect our community. No, that's not your job. That's not your responsibility. And even though the terms of service say that you can't have a YouTube presence unless you're 13 and older, we know that there are people that get around that. I, I, I don't have... I don't have a lot. Now, if this if this guy really means what he says, that we're going to put creators out there, we're going to do everything that we can to make creators successful as possible, great. More power to you. I'll believe it when I see it. I don't think that anything having to do with YouTube is going to is going to improve or change. Not, not because it won't get better or change because of who these these people are. I mean, who is Neil Mohan? He's you know he was chief product officer at YouTube, but where was he before that? He's on the board of directors of Twenty Three and Me and Stitch Fix, which that's not anything to do with anything. He's a member of the Council of Foreign Relations. That doesn't have anything to do with content creation. Stanford University Graduate School of Business. He's a member of the managing board there. Here he was. Um, he was a senior vice president of display and video ads at Google. Board of directors at MMA Global for, and that's, a, that's an advertising company, I think. Uh, DoubleClick, Inc., Microsoft Corporation, senior analyst at Exeter. This guy's a manager. He's not an innovator. He's not somebody that's going to sit there and go, I have an idea. Let's do this. He's a manager. He's not, a, he's not a creator. He's not, a, he's not an innovator. He's not somebody who's going to sit there and go, let's do this and make things better. He's depending on other people that are going to come up with this stuff. Now, he may have this general idea strategy-wise or whatnot, and that's what managers can do, but he's not the one that's going to be developing the actual product, the actual tools. And, you know, if, if I get an email... Or a phone call from Mr. Mohan that says, "Hey, I want to I want to have a sit down with you, and we can talk about how to make your cha your channel more successful." I'll take the call. I don't expect to get a call, but I'll take the call. We'll see. I don't know. 
who knows? I mean, it's it's just I think new boss is same as the old boss, but new boss is saying some things that if they follow through and if they focus on creators like they say they're going to, then maybe, maybe there's some potential. In the meantime, we'll just keep doing what we're doing and we'll keep relying on you to keep coming back and we'll keep hoping that you share the links to our videos and our channel and tell other people about us and we continue to gain our audience. We just we grow our audience one subscriber at a time. We're right now sitting at 2269 on YouTube. We're at uh, I think 232 over on on Odyssey. You know, and that's organic growth. That's just people find us, they like what we do, they stick around. Which is great. We'll keep doing it. And tomorrow we'll do it with more of your input. Open line Friday tomorrow at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern, 12 Central. <clears throat> so bring your bring your thoughts and comments and ideas and suggestions and questions, and we will uh, we will open the phone lines for uh, for all of you to basically take over the show. So uh, there's that. And I know we've made the joke about Super Chats and my birthday and all that other stuff, but that's not necessary. Tomorrow's just another day at the office, and we'll just get through our show, and y'all can talk about whatever you want to talk about. We don't have to talk about me. All right, that's going to do it for us, folks. Thanks very much for being here. Don't forget, we do have uh, Good Morning Multiverse. Uh, not tomorrow. Good Morning Multiverse is Saturday. I had the wrong card up. Oh, where is it? There it is. Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 Central. Uh, join us for that. You can also find us on all the different social media platforms for all that's worth. And uh, do connect with us over on the Discord server. Uh, the The discussions are becoming more active, and, and they are very interesting stuff. Uh, things to say that people have, so join us over there. And in the meantime, remember, folks, the politicians lie to you. The politicians hate you. The media lies to you, and they hate you. And there are four lights. This has been a presentation of SciFiForMe.com. Copyright 2023 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio.